no helicopters have been procured for me to go to golf course. Thank you. I've never said he wasn't a great politician. I'm just saying he's a <laughs> off. <laughs> How'd you play out there today? Uh, well, I found the conditions challenging, mostly because there's no grass on the golf course, but there never has been. I'm thinking about the swag bag, and I, I hope the swag bag. Trap. When you got three crevices on the green, your course is trash. What's going on, folks? Welcome back. Bellway Golfer, episode 26. Alex Dixon here. Spring has sprung in the D.C. area. The Masters is in a rearview mirror. Congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama. Great Masters. Uh, golf season is very much underway. Baseball season's underway. For Nats fans out there, slow start, but 162 games. We'll see. If you're following Beltway Golfer on Instagram, you may have noticed that uh, we shot down to the Pinehurst region of North Carolina, got some really good golf in. I bring it up because both driving down and driving back recorded a couple podcasts, which will be the next two episodes. On the way down, sat down with uh, Cliff Miller, uh, the proprietor out at Schoolhouse 9. Um, holding off on publishing that because I'm going to sit down with Mike McCartan for kind of the, the second half of that podcast. and then. Uh, on the way back from Pinehurst, um, stopped by Belmont Golf Course, just north of, of Richmond, um, and did a podcast with the CEO of First Tee Greater Richmond, Brent Schneider. Um, they are operating and are the leaseholders for Belmont um, as it is finishing up. It's, it's really finished their uh, restoration and renovation and getting ready to reopen at the end of May. So that'll be the next podcast. Keep, keep an eye out for that. But for this episode, it's all about the first tee of Greater Washington, D.C. Uh, been around since 1999, uh, was really only in, in Washington, D.C. For, for its first 15 years, uh, expanded out to Northern Virginia in about 2014, and then in recent years has expanded into Montgomery County and PG County. Uh, they're at 24 courses now, uh, but really all over, the, uh, all over the Beltway and Capital Region. For the podcast, sat down with three gentlemen. Uh, the first, the executive director, Clint Sanchez. Uh, second, one of his youngest staffers, Lenard Long, D.C. native who played his golf at uh, Morehouse College. Um, and then third, uh, one of his longest running coaches, John Garner. Uh, been coaching with the first team of Greater Washington, D.C. for over 20 years. Also a D.C. native. He's got a lot of, a lot of history and fun stories. Uh, about Washington, D.C. and uh, about golf in this town. So um, I, I thought there were three fun conversations. I enjoyed them very much. Hope you enjoyed as well. Here it is, episode 26, First Tee of Greater Washington, D.C. Enjoy. So we're out here at uh, Langston Golf Course with Clint Sanchez. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Alex? I'm doing awesome. I'm glad that uh, we've talked a couple times on the phone, but I'm glad we're finally kind of meeting face to face for the first time and uh, got a beautiful setting for it. It's uh, the day before the Masters, Masters Wednesday. Do you hear the music? I, I can hear it. We're out here at Langston Golf Course and it's absolutely gorgeous. And we, we met today because behind us, the camera might not be able to pick it up because the angle I put it on, but there's uh, some of your classes are going on right now. Yeah, we got the first tee class going on right there with Coach John and Coach George, two of our most tenured coaches been doing this for 20 years 20 years Both so 
So let's start with yourself. Your, your yeah. What is your title at the First Tee? I'm the Executive Director of First Tee Greater Washington, D.C. Greater Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been with the First Tee? Since October 2012. Got it. So how how long has the, the, the First Tee of Greater Washington, D.C. been around? It started in 1999, so we celebrated the 20th anniversary two years ago. Wow. And First Tee... Was this one of like one of the early chapters in First Tee? It was. The First Tee was founded in 1997. Okay. So two years later, um, our chapter was was founded. I would say we were in the first 20 or 30 chapters would be my guess. And so what is what is the role? Because First Tee is a nonprofit. Sure. Yep. Each chapter. Did I read that there's a, almost 200 chapters? 150. 150. Yeah. But all in the United States. Yeah. No, no. It's 150, and that includes probably eight or ten internationally oh really wow yeah that's cool um so do all the, the all the chapters operate individually or how does that work yeah so we're all our own individual nonprofits, um and uh so we're responsible for our own budgets um, we do get guidance from from national um, we get the brand which is yeah. a great brand obviously sure. the first t brand um the curriculum but we're our own own, uh, each chapter is responsible for raising their own budget every year and operating their, their own chapter every year. Maybe this is a bad analogy, but it almost sounds like a, a non-profit franchise in a way. Something like that. Something like yeah. that. Um, interesting. So, so what is the role of the executive director? You are the, the you are the, the, the top dog in, in the, in the, in the, in the DC organization, the DC chapter. Yeah. So, you know, what is, what is your, what's your day to day? My day to day, a lot of it is on the fundraising, um, leadership, leadership front um, as I mentioned we are responsible for raising our own yeah. uh, budget each year which has grown immensely since I started yeah. um, so our budget now is a million uh, million 150 so almost a million and a quarter um, so a fair amount of my role is is uh, building relationships in the community we've got a very active board so managing relationships with the board of directors uh, who help us meet that budget um, and then obviously overseeing staff, we've got a wonderful staff, full-time staff of six, um, and they are exceeding in the, excelling in their roles. Full-time staff of six. So yeah, that full-time full -time staff, staff does six. not include the coaches, or does that include the That coaches? does not include the coaches. So um, you met one of our staff members, Dolly Davis. She's full-time with us. Um, you'll meet Leonard Long today. He's full-time. So he'll have half the staff here today, <laughs> um, which is great. And then our director of programming, um, oversees the programmatic, programmatic aspects of the organization, and she, um, her name is Katie Blodgett, does yep. a wonderful job. She started in 2013, and then we've got a program manager in Maryland, um, Roger Brown, and then a program and communications manager, um, Nicole Verdon, um, who manages a lot of our volunteers, manages our volunteer process, and does a lot of our communications social yeah. media you see some of our stuff on the website social media i, I did meet that. katie blodgett uh she won't remember me but for full disclosure i was a a one-time volunteer for first d first t uh i should have looked That's it up I, I think i told you in one of our phone calls i can't remember what year maybe 2017 about three or four years ago yeah, i think that was it yeah. but, but down at fort belvoir yeah. but she ran the uh, kind of the training in east potomac yeah um but uh so so if i'm biased it's because i'm a former volunteer and i and i like this organization very much yeah um, so is one of the, uh, you're talking about fundraising, obviously that's a huge component of it. Um, I haven't been to any, but you do a lot of tournaments, right? We do. We do a lot of, um, a lot of golf tournaments each year. Um, I believe we have six 
six golf tournaments this year. Actually, no, seven, seven golf tournaments this year. Um, the biggest two that we have, um, Politics and Pros, is a big event for us. That's been around. That's celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Wow. And we've owned that event since 2015. Does the, does the book bookstore up on Connecticut Avenue? No, it's not, it's pros, P-R-O-S. Yeah, no, I know. I've approached them about a sponsorship, actually, and, and need to do so again, yeah. especially for this year. But, no, that's an event that's um, for the government affairs community. Yeah. Um, we have members of Congress play in that event. This oh, year, wow. it's July 26th. This year, it's at um, TPC Potomac, Nice. Um, which we're excited about. And we have a lot of PJ Tour, LPJ Tour, um, Corn Ferry Tour guys, um, that come out, probably eight to ten pros that come out and play with the sponsors. Um, that's a great day. Yeah. So is that one of your big fun? One of the big events that raises over two hundred. This year, the goal of that event is two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So that's oh, wow. you know twenty percent of our budget in, in in that one event. Nice. Um, that's fantastic. So you do, uh, and so the money raises through foursome sponsorships. Yeah. You have, a chair, you have an auction or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, for that event, we, do, we don't we do do an auction. We do an auction for another one of our okay. events that we, that we started last year. We started the auction piece of it last year, but um, that event is just straight sponsorships and then foursomes. Southern Company is the title sponsor. Um, Comcast is the presenting. We have Comcast NBC Universal, so they've underwritten the event um, for years, which has been great. Nice. Uh, I think I, I think I looked at the website for that one. That one, that one for the... The average guy that wants to play in a first tee tournament and, and help out, um, you know, you have to you have to dig into dig into your wallet a bit to, to, to get into that one. Are there, are there other tournaments that you do that, you know, if the if the average golfer yeah. listening to this that, uh, you know, maybe he's not ready to shell out absolutely yeah, top that, dollar to yeah to, that event is a is a you know high high dollar event six to six to eighty five six to ten thousand dollars depending on a on the level of sponsorship for a foursome. But we do a fair amount of other events that people can um, can get interested, can get involved in sure. at a lower cost point. One is coming up in about five weeks at Argyle Country Club. Nice. That's the uh, fourth annual uh, First Tee Greater Washington DC Pro-Am um, that we're having at Ar we've had it at Argyle um, each year. And it's a tremendous event, um, $250 for you know, a person to play individually. Um, you know, a team plays, puts $750 in, they play with their pro, oh, nice. um, club pro, and it's, it's a great day for, for the first tee. Um, great day for us to have a lot of pros from country clubs and members from country clubs and golf courses around the area, um, you know, play in a fun play-your-own-ball event yeah. and support the first tee. So that's on May 4th at, May 4th. Uh, at Argyle. Yeah, may the, may the 4th be with you. May the course be with you the is the theme for that day. <laughs> yeah, May 4th. Uh, you dressing up as Chewbacca or anything? I'm not gonna dress okay. up as Chewbacca. Maybe maybe Han Solo was always my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we do a women's uh, we do a women's cup pro am, which is sponsored by Home Depot. Cool. That's on May 24th at Westfields. Um, that's similar price point for individuals um, to play in that event as well. Um, and that's coming up on May 24th. May 24th. So those are soon. Yeah. And then we do. Um, Event at Riverbend, which we do, we did debut a silent auction last year. That's an October event. It's October 4th. Um, that's our eighth annual first Tee Greater Washington, D.C. golf tournament. It's really for the, um, the better business community. We have yeah. sponsors from, um, from D.C., from Maryland, from Northern Virginia that all come together to support the first Tee. Um, we always have a guest speaker that comes to that event. Um, we've had uh, two past PJ Tour commissioners. We had Tim Fincham came one year, cool. Dean Beeman came one year, 
Um, the first year we had it, John Feinstein was the uh, was the first guest. Tim Fincham was he? Did I read that he's a, is he credited as essentially one of the founders? He's one of the, of the first founders of the, yeah. of the first tee. He was the first the, the uh, honorary. I mean, he was the board chair um, okay. of the first tee for uh, for years, um, and is still involved on the uh, still involved on the board. Him and Jay Monahan work closely. Um, you know, on the first tee and the initiatives that are coming out of the national office in St. Augustine. So we were just um, chatting with Dolly, one of your your longtime, your longest tenured she staffer. Is. She started with us in 2012. And yeah. she said in 2012, there was only, first tee DC was only at two courses. Yep. East Potomac and Langston. Yep. And how many are at now? 24 program locations now, so from two to 24. Uh, so I, 24 of those obviously aren't in D.C. because D.C. doesn't have 24 correct. courses. So you should really spread out all across the Beltway. Yeah, so we, um, you know, when we were in, when I started in 2013, we were just in Washington, D.C. at the time. Um, and then we expanded to Northern Virginia shortly after that in 2013 mm -hmm. with a pilot program at Fort Belvoir, where you were. Um, yeah. We had a, a program, we had some appropriations money. First, he had some appropriations money that came through. Basically, if you had um, a military base in your service area that had a golf course on it, you could conduct first tee programming, um, and this funding would help you get started. Oh, nice. Um, so we did that 2013 as a pilot. There was no chapter in, uh, in Fairfax County, no chapter in Northern Virginia. Um, and uh, we did a great job with it. The, the community embraced it. The post, Fort Belvoir embraced it. Yeah. And uh, things kind of took off from there. Um, so we expanded to Northern Virginia officially in 2014 at other golf courses, other program locations. How is that, like what is, when you approach a new course, like what is, what is the sell? Yeah, so I think a lot of, um, a lot of the sell is, you know, everyone wants to obviously grow the game. Yeah. Um, and some of the courses that we're working with, they didn't really have a junior golf program. Okay. So we, we know we can help fill that need of, you know, of getting young people into the game presenting that opportunity um, and you know I think it's a way for um, the professional development of a lot of these golf pros who want to um, who want to do some coaching and want to you know want to lead the program we're always approaching golf courses if they want to uh, you know start out as a first tee program location the first question is who's going to coach the program do you have someone yeah. um, energetic that's um, you know that wants to coach that has that has that um, desire. So a lot of times the course provides provides that you know provides that person. Not all, yeah. not every time, but a lot yeah. of times they do, um, and we try to grow the program you know internally from the golf course. Interesting. And all, all the first team needs is a little bit of uh, space on the range. Access, yeah, no access to the to the range to the um, to the practice facility. Yeah. Um, so we really try to be at places like this. You know, Langston's a perfect example where you've got. You know, three key components. You've got the driving range, mm -hmm. you've got a short game area where you've got bunker, you've got chipping, and then you've got putting green. Um, and of course, you have a you have a golf course as well. So at each course, and I, I, I would imagine it's probably a little bit different everywhere, but you're doing uh, classes with kids. Like, to talk about the the actual program and the classes a bit. Like age levels. Like how often do you do classes? Right. So each. Each participant um, comes to us one day a week. They pick the program location, so okay. they'll come to us one day a week at a, at a different, whatever program location they pick. Okay. Um, the sessions generally are 90 minutes. Um, sometimes we shorten, we've shortened them to 60 in some locations because of COVID. Um, and uh, and the kids, you know, have the have the program for 90 minutes. They're getting the golf skills. 
but they're also getting those life skills that are seamlessly integrated into the curriculum. And, they, and the youngest age is what? Seven. We start at seven. age seven and we go all the way up through, through 18. Through 18. Um, so we talked about this. I've got a five-year-old son at home, so I, I got about a year and a half to, you know, are, are, when they're at seven, most of the kids, have they swung a golf club before? Generally not. Yeah. It's, we're, you know, for the most part, the first tee is, is that first entryway into golf. Um, not for all the, not for all of our kids, but for a lot of them, for yeah. the majority of them. And then you talked about um, off camera. There's different levels within the program. Absolutely. So once, if you start at seven, you start getting some skills. Then what? Yeah, everyone starts at the player level, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it usually takes, depending on you know how, where they are golf skill wise, and how what their grasp is on the core values and the life skills. It generally takes one to two years. Um, to go probably closer to two years to go level to level. Yeah. So we start at the player level and then they progress and they move on to the par level. Um, and then they progress and they move on to the birdie level and then the eagle level. Eagle level is really, generally the kids are in high school at that point, maybe seventh or eighth grade, but generally in high school at that point. Um, and then ACE is, is really for kids that have completed the program, there's service projects involved um, and the kids are close to being an alum at that point. Have you seen some kids essentially go that entire length from, from 7 to 18? And, yeah. And what, what kind of golfers are they after 11 years of being in the program? We have. I mean, it's, we've, gotten some, you know, we've, we've gotten some kids that go through the program and they can really play. Yeah. And then we've gotten some kids that go through the whole program and they love to play golf, but they're really the great leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe golf is not their number one sport or their number one activity, but sure. they still love being around the game. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a, a couple of examples um, and one of them, you know, he didn't start at seven, but he started, I believe, at nine, maybe ten. Um, that's Leonard Long, and he's at our, on our staff right now. Um, joined the program, I believe, 2008, 2009. Um, and uh, when I came here in 2012, he was just in high school. I believe he was a freshman then in high school. And he was our first participant that could really, really play. Um, played it, played all the way through. He was, you know, was in the first tee all the way through the time he was 18. Um, and then played college golf at Morehouse, and, and now we're f- uh, fortunate enough to have them on, on a staff um, with us. We've got a fair amount of our kids, Alex, now that are playing high school golf. It's really been yeah, wonderful to cool. see. Um, you know, a lot of the kids in, in Northern Virginia are on their high school, high school golf teams now. So anybody that's listening to this that has kids within that age range, or, or, or will in my case in a couple of years, just go to firsttdc.org? Is yeah, it's, it's firsttdc.org. Um, you can go on to uh, our, our program site. You can go on to register, and that tells you about registering for the program. Yeah. Um, and right now we're in the first of four sessions. Mm-hmm. So um, getting back to your, your earlier question about what does programming look like, it's four sessions throughout the year. Yeah. Um, so once you register for a, for a session, um, like right now we're in spring one, Hopefully the parents and the, and the family has a great experience and then they register right away for, for spring two. And, and uh, we have a summer session and a fall session as well. So four six week sessions throughout yeah. the year. Love it. Um, I saw that, um, that, you were do- that there was some announcement that you're partnering with National Links Trust a little bit. Is there, is there anything more to that other than just that you're gonna stay at the courses? Yeah, so we're a community, we're honored to be a community partner of National Links Trust. Cool. Um, along with, um, I believe the USGA is on that list, the Evans, um, the Western, Scholar Found- Western Scholars, the Evans Scholar Foundation, um, Golf My Future, My Game, I believe is a community partner as well. 
Um, and, you know, we're really, you know, we've had a great partnership with the D.C. Cor courses in the National Park Service for years. They were original program locations of ours. Yeah. Um, so we're looking forward to even doing more, um, nice. you know, with, with the National Links Trust. And, you know, this weekend there's an opportunity um, that they're leading on Saturday um, where they're going to honor Lee Elder. Right. Um, and we're going to have a lot of our kids here that are here for programming on Saturday. They're going to be able to participate in that fun day. I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm going to be here. By the time this is published, that, that'll probably be in the past, yeah. but I'm excited. It should be fun. Yeah, we are as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so one other thing, one, one of the reasons, I want to go back to a couple things, back to the beginning yeah. of kind of the first tee. The, the one thing that's come up, I, I remember this. I saw it on the website earlier today when I was kind of prepping for this, but I remember this from the time that I had... Um, volunteered was the stress of the nine core values yeah. and there was one that the, the, the most of them seem kind of I don't know if obvious is the right word but the one do you, do you uh, as the I'll, let me test you do you know what they are I do know what they are <laughs> let's see how well I know them though let's do let's do confidence let's do uh, responsibility let's do judgment so confidence responsibility judgment um, respect uh, courtesy Honesty, integrity, perseverance, and sportsmanship would be the last. Well done. I was going to edit you. that out if you didn't get all nine. So <laughs> worry about it. <laughs> but on the website, I've been coaching from Katie and the team. <laughs> on the website, it lists them in order, and I think judgment is the last one. And judgment was the only one I kind of, I kind of clicked into. And the way it was just one of the one of the examples, the way it was described was club selection. Yeah. Like when you're on a on a course. Sure. And and. and understanding maybe you don't always have to hit your longest club yeah. and driver and i look and i kind of read that and i was like i'm not sure i would have passed that yeah. that part of the test yeah <laughs> i still struggle with that um we actually do work with the kids on hitting different clubs and hitting different shots yeah not always hitting driver off the tee sure um and letting them kind of explore really exploration is yeah. a big part of the first tee. sure sure um so on the um I don't know if it was on the Wikipedia page or some article I clicked on, but it kind of said that, you know, when it was founded in 1997, that the, the, the concept, the thesis of it was simply, why don't kids play more golf? Yeah. And just kind of expose, exposing the game to, to, to more kids and getting more kids in the game. I want, I want to read you some, one thing because this is what, one of the reasons that we actually first started talking, and it was something that came from uh, a previous guest of mine on this podcast, Michael Williams. Mm -hmm. And Michael, really, Michael Williams... Uh, in the wake of George Floyd last summer, wrote an open letter to the game of golf, the mm -hmm. entry of golf. And there was a passage within that letter that he wrote, and I'm gonna, I, I copied and pasted it here, so I'm gonna read it. And it was, but it was just kind of an, an aside about the first tee program that I think maybe you wanted to, to address. He says, the first tee program started out as a way to bring the game to underserved communities. Over time, corporate interests overwhelmed both the mission and the message. Now the first tee has the message, message excuse me now the first tee has the mission of generally quote-unquote growing the game many chapters are now run from exclusive country clubs and are essentially finishing schools for the current quote-unquote golf culture i mean I'll, I'll let you kind of respond to that because i know you did but I, I mean it's it's obvious that at least in the dc area the part about exclusive country clubs yeah. doesn't seem to be talking about this chapter yeah well i mean first of all i think the mission of the first tee is not has really not changed um, from the from the very early days, the mission was and, and still is to impact the lives of young people, to provide educational opportunities, 
that, that build character sure. and instill um, life-enhancing values through the game of golf. So, you know, I would just say the last word in our mission is golf, um, and that's the case for a reason. We don't exist to create, um, you know, golfers. I mean, we, you know, like, uh, co professional golfers. Sure. That's not why we're, you know, we're an operation. Yeah. Um, we're an operation really to provide an opportunity um, for kids to play a game that they can play for a lifetime, mm -hmm. that they can have relationships for a lifetime. Um, and uh, it's a program for everybody. Yeah. You know, and I think... Um, do you, you know, think what he's saying may have some truth to it in other chapters? It, it could. Yeah. Um, you know, each chapter, you know, and you go back to, you know, kind of the beginning. Uh, I mean, each chapter is their own individual nonprofit. Sure. Um, but each chapter should be operating and, and that mission should be top, um, top priority for all the, for, you know, for, the, and I know with us, um, you know, we, you know, our, our diversity rate is 65%. Um, you know, in our program, um, you know, we provide. Um, what, what, what does that mean? Sixty-five percent are non-white. Sixty-five percent of our of our um, kids are, you know, come from diverse backgrounds, so yeah, they're non-Caucasian. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a program. You know, it's it's a program for everybody, and we turn no one away. If you can't, you know, pay a program fee, mm -hmm. we'll scholarship you. If you're on, you know, if you're in the military, you're free and reduced lunch benefit. You receive free and reduced lunch benefits at nice. school, 100% scholarship. You don't pay anything for the program. Um, if you need financial aid beyond that, we work with families to make sure that they're able to have access to these programs. And um, the, the 24 courses that you mentioned, um, without... And zero, or, zero of those are, low, are country clubs. Is that right? Um, yeah. Oh, that was, I was gonna ask. So now, so um, I will say this, that, um, you know, the country clubs that uh, support the first tee, you know, have been tremendous... Um, tremendous to our chapter um, you know we've had events there we've had our you know they've hosted kids for play dates they've hosted kids for clinics mm -hmm. um, you know programming wise um, 24 pro program locations and they're all you know public golf facilities you know and I will say too um, you know everyone you know everyone could use the first tee mm -hmm. if you're a, you know if you're a young you know a young person at a country club um, you know, you can use those core values and those life skills, sure. you know, that we're, that we're teaching. Um, and that's why we don't, you know, we don't turn anyone away. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a program for everybody. Um, yeah. And uh, we're really proud of that. Well, that's great. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're able to, to, to address uh, Michael's statement. And I'm excited that I'm going to get to sit down with both John Garner and uh, is it, is it Lenard? I didn't Lenard want to pronounce, yeah, no, pronounce his first name yeah. wrong. Um, but I think both of them will be able to speak yeah. uh, even more on, the, on, that, on that topic as well. Um, but listen, I, I really appreciate uh, you inviting me out. Uh, I'm glad I was able to do it. Uh, I, uh, as I said, I've, I volunteered one session. It was one, one season, I suppose, so several sessions four years ago. But I either, I either need to volunteer again, which I've told myself I will, but haven't yet. Uh, or, at well, the very, have or at the very least, I'll get my, I'll get my son out here. Yeah. As soon as he's of age. When he's, when he's seven, absolutely. We'd love to have him. And this is, this is great sitting down with you. Um, and uh, 
We're going to play some golf. I know later this year I want to go out there and Absolutely. Before, tee it up with you. That's right. Before I let you go. We'd love for, maybe a couple of our kids can come join us. That I, would be a great round. That would be a lot of fun. Two of our kids. Yeah, it would be great. But before I officially let you go, a, a little bit yourself. So you're, you're a local guy. We talked on the phone. You're, you're Montgomery County. I, I, yes, I am. I, I uh, moved to the area when I was 11 years old. Okay. And I uh, grew up in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Um, went to high school at Watkins Mill. I think we talked about yeah. that. Yeah. We're, we're both Montgomery Montgomery County public school kids. That's right. Yeah. Were you Walter, Walter Johnson? Walter Johnson, yeah. yeah. WJ, yeah. Um, and you live in Virginia now. I do. I live in Alexandria, yeah. When, when you do get the opportunity to play golf, where like where was your where was your last round? Or where uh, do you play most? I, my, I'm very fortunate, very lucky. I play at TPC Potomac. Nice. Um, and uh, it's been a tremendous, um, they've been tremendous supporters of, you know, of ours. Yeah. It's, it's great to be out there, um, and uh, I play Laurel Hill a lot, nice. um, and, uh, and you know, get out to some of the Montgomery County courses as well, um, Northwest played there, but yeah, I'd say most of, my, most of my golf is played either at TPC, at Laurel Hill, um, and, uh, and I do play, it, I do play uh, at East Potomac and Langston when I have a chance. That's awesome. I'm sure you got some game, but yeah, let's get out and play play when we're able. Yeah, that, I like that. has been great. Appreciate it. great. Right. Thanks a lot, Thanks, man. Lenard, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, Clint just told me a little bit of your background. So you, you kind of, when did you get started with the first team? Um, probably at least 10, 11 years ago when I was 12 years old. When you were 12 years old. Yeah. Were you, be, before you got into first team, did you play golf much? Hadn't, hadn't touched a club. Um, didn't know my parents are both non-golfers. Uh, don't really have anyone in my family that golfs. Um, so first tee was really like when you first. The only up yeah, the only connection I had was the first tee at the, at that point at that point. At age twelve. At age twelve. Yeah. Listeners remember that. We're gonna come back to that because that's important. <laughs> so age twelve. So you hopped. You got into the first tee, and then because uh, what we're gonna get to is you got some game here. And so, so what? what uh, how long before you really you know? started to think like uh, I'm getting good at this early early to be honest um I kind of came out the guys gates love I mean as they say I caught the golf bug early and yeah. I didn't let it go I mean I, I used to just swing it my dad bought me a net after my first couple lessons in the backyard and I would just be out there after school swinging and you know chipping in the backyard doing everything I could and so I, I saw online and Clint mentioned it that through the first tee as you got better and better, you qualified for a tournament at a Pebble Beach. At Pebble Beach, yeah, and then played played with Joel Edward, University of Texas alum. How long? How so? How old were you then? I would say that was my junior year, so I think 16. So four years after you first picked up the club, and and what did you have to do to qualify for that? Um, well, you had to you had to be consistent in the first tee, but then you also had to post tournament scores um, that were you know in the top percent that. You submitted an application with your tournament scores, and you know all the rest of the first tee participants across the country submitted theirs, and you know they picked the ones with the lowest. That's pretty and wild. Then, yeah, um, not many people get to play Pebble Beach in their first four years of picking up a club. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely blessed to do that. Um, it was, it was, yeah, it was just you, such an play? amazing. Experience. Was it a competitive tournament? Or yeah, what? so I played. So it was basically like a, a, two, a two ball, like a best ball mm -hmm. with the pro. Um, I played well. Um, Joel, I mean, he's a pro. He he didn't care. I, I held up my part, but Joel played excellent, um, and and we we were able to make the cut, and I was able to play Pebble Beach on a Sunday. How about that? On the final day. I mean, you can't you can't ask for much better. 
How'd you do on 18? 18, oh my God, I, I never I never went left. I never went left. I never went left. On the last day, on the 18th hole, the, the, the stands filled up. Um, I, I went left in the bunker uh, for my third shot, hit a nice bunker shot, went from the back of the green, spun back uh, to 10 feet, but I, I missed the putt. I missed the putt for birdie, but Amen. it's all right. Whatever. Yeah, everybody was like, your, your shot was so nice. How did you get it to spin like that? And I was like, my hands were shaking. Like, I think that I made that was the friction in the golf club. So at 16, just a <laughs> tap in par on, yeah. on 18 at Pebble yeah, Beach. It felt good. It I'm felt a, good. I, I've been playing for I don't know how many years. I've never played Pebble Beach. That's awesome. Um, so I believe you, in you. We'll get there. One <laughs> I'll get there one day. I gotta open up my wallet. <laughs> so you went to uh, your DC kid, obviously. Yeah. You went to what high school? Woodrow Wilson, Northwest DC. Woodrow Wilson, Northwest yeah. DC. Um, and then, so you, they had a golf team. Um, they had a golf team my freshman year, um, and it was filled with seniors. So then by the time my sophomore year came around, we didn't really have anybody. So unfortunately, we just didn't have enough players. Really? So they yeah. just didn't put out a team? Just didn't. Just it couldn't get it together. So let's fast forward to you played some college golf. So how yeah. did you how did you get, without being playing high school golf, like how did you? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, so you still have like summer tournaments and whatnot. Got it, um, okay. So yeah, so I played in AJGAs, a lot of the you know MAPGAs around here. Okay. Um, what else? The Washington Metro Golf Association, I think. So in high school, you were just keeping up your game through playing yeah, after yeah. school and on weekends and through yeah. the first tee. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly yeah. that, exactly that. Um, so yeah, and then I was able to, I was able to earn. Well, I actually, I actually initially walked on to Morehouse, and then I, I, I was able to earn a scholarship within my first like three months. Or oh, so. Wow. Yeah. So you went to Morehouse in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, historically black university. Yes. Um, what's uh, you say you walked onto their golf team? Well, yeah, yeah. So I so I had connections with the my father is a Morehouse alum and he his classmate was actually the athletic director. Um, so he was like, hey, yeah, we're we have a team, we have a spot for him, we don't have any money. Oh wow. Um, <clears throat> but if if he wants to play, maybe down the road we can find him some money. Oh wow. So, and then once, so I got him and he didn't really, he didn't really know golf, but, and he didn't really know my scores or anything, but I was like, all right, I can, and I, and I looked at the team, I was like, I can, I can play with these guys. Like, I'm, I'm all right. Nice. So what, what is golf? Is the, is it the, um, SIAC? SIAC, yes. SIAC. Um, and that's, that's, that's a conference made up of HBCUs. Mm -hmm. What, what's golf like in that conference? It's, it's, it's interesting. Um. It's, it's it's interesting because it's it's top and bottom. The top the bo the top player is going to shoot a 68. The bottom player is going to be a 110. You know what oh, I right. mean? It's it's a mix it's a mixed bag. Sure. You might play with a football player who they had to throw on the team because they mm -hmm. needed a fifth. Sure. Or you might play with a guy who's dedicated and going on tour. Yeah. So it's it's a really interesting experience, but it's also it's also a really beautiful experience because you see, you know, all walks of, of life in that. Yeah. Um, and I saw like so. so is it, uh, Willie Mack on tour. He Willie went to Mack. HBCU, didn't he? Didn't yeah, he, he did. He did. I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head which cooking, one. I think. Um, but yeah, and but, Willie Mack is a, he's he actually comes around this area a good amount and is like supportive of the youth and whatnot. Oh, so oh, he's great. He's a, Willie Mack is a good guy. Um, one of the and, and so is, in there in your conference, did you guys play Payne? Payne College. Payne yeah. College. Yeah. Which is in the news right now. I mean, this is this is Masters Wednesday, uh -huh. and. From what I understand, uh, Augusta in, 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 in Augusta National, kind of in 
side by side with what they're doing with Lee Elder yeah. and him hitting out the first tee. I know. I think they announced they were going to fund the, the the women's golf team at Payne and uh, you know, maybe some, create oh, wow. some scholarships at Payne. I haven't. I haven't read about that. Yeah, but um, I'll definitely so that's, that up. That's, that's their reach out. But then also. Uh, Howard, here you know we were yeah, sitting here yeah. at Langston, yeah, yeah and, and Steph Curry got involved. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's amazing. I wish. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a local kid, so I still probably went to would have went to Morehouse, but right. I mean it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see that. I mean, because they went to they went to Georgia and got fully outfitted by Callaway, club and everything. Really? Yeah, and I mean, this I think his name his name's Sam. I I, I might Sam Purier. 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 Yeah, I, I mean, might be just, pronouncing that wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, he just seems like he's doing such a good job with it. Yeah. So when did you, so you played at Morehouse, mm-hmm. um, what did you do after school? So after school, I, um, so the, immediate, the summer immediately following, I actually got an internship with the Wizards on their community uh, relations department. Oh, nice. So I was there from, it was a full year internship. So from fall, I would say early September until, when did COVID hit? COVID hit I March guess like 2020 March March 20 so yeah so it was supposed to go until you know the end of the season but yeah. it ended up getting cut um, after COVID so then you came back and started working here at yeah the first so then yeah so the, the COVID hit uh, I got a call from Clint he said hey we have a spot open um, we'd love to interview for it so I interviewed um, interviews went well um, you know the wizards. The wizards said, "Hey, we're we're letting the interns go," but in, and they treated us nice. They they yeah. they they gave us like a month or two extra pay. So the wizards did us really nice. Cool. Um, and then yeah, so the interviews went well, and Clint was like, "Hey, if you if you're open and you're free, I have a job for you." And nice. I took it, and it's been it's been great ever since. So what's you what are you doing now for first tee? What's your role? So currently, so currently I am the communications and program manager for uh, all for all first tee things Washington D.C. So. Okay. Like between Langston, Rock Creek, and East Potomac, um, I manage all the classes. Um, try to make sure that you know, with the new transition to National Links Trust, that between the two of us, you know, we're nice. on communications and, and we know, you know, where each other are in the process, and you know, there's good communication there. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, for sure. Do you do you still get to play much? I'm getting now that I'm back in the first tee. I'm you know, and I'm, I'm around the course more. I'm playing a lot more, which feels like. I mean, just before this interview, I, I got a quick eight or six holes in, which feels, yeah. I mean, it feels so good to have this as your <laughs> office, right? We're That's exactly there. right. I was like, um, I posted that on Instagram. I was like, this is a nice office <laughs> right. this morning. Uh, so I, the, the fact that you came back to the first tee, obviously this, uh, you know, had a big impact on you and, um, you know, you enjoyed it. What, what would you say to... I don't know, Any, anybody that's got a kid listening to this that's, you know, considering the first tee, like what did you get out of, as someone who was in the first tee program for a hand, several years, you know, what did you get out of it? I did think the first tee is, it's it's what you make it, what you put in is what you get out. If you put in the work um, on the golf course and off the golf course, if, and, and I maintained pretty good grades in high school, um, and, I, and, I, and I reap the benefit. It's, it's a system where if you do good, you, you get good. You know, yeah. you, you, you reap the benefits, and there's a lot of opportunities out here that you can take advantage of. You know, I mean, there's not many kids. Even there's, there's plenty of better golfers than me that haven't played Pebble Beach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure, so sure. If, if, if that's the way you look at it, you know, just put yourself in position where if you rate, make the right decisions, you reap the most benefits, and, yeah. and the first tee does that. Excellent. Um, I'll get you out of here in one second, but we, I was kind of touching on uh, with, with Clint a little bit. You know, a, a lot of, especially with, with everything going on with, with Lee Elder getting invited back to Augusta, hit the first 
the first ceremonial tee shot and, you know, grow, growing the game is obviously a big initiative, but also especially in underserved communities and in the African-American community. You know, how do you, how do you see, you know, do you see coming from playing uh, college golf at an HBCU, um, you know, are, are, are there opportunities for African-Americans in the game? Is it getting, is it improving? Is it the same? Is it worse? I mean, it's, uh, I'm, it's, it, there's a lot of, I'll say, Plain simply, there's a lot of work to do, yeah. and um, a lot of it, it's it's kind of bigger than golf. Where golf, I mean, you you come here and it's 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 a white sport and it's a white for like pretty dominated by white men um, and typically with money. And when you get that demographic, you look at you know how how do you fit this underserved group into that, and it becomes mm -hmm. very difficult because you're entering a group that's been marginalized into the group that's most likely marginalizing sure. them the most. Yeah. So it's how do we negotiate that and how do we be honest with ourselves and say, hey, this is what's fair, this is what's right, and this is what needs to happen. This is what happened in the past, and hey, how do we correct it and make sure that never happens again? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, you had mentioned, <clears throat> you mentioned Instagram for a second. Are there any folks, um, you know, there's, there's a couple guys that I know are doing a lot of good work. The first one that comes to mind, I just saw him on Golf Channel the other day, if you could follow Roger Steele. Yeah, yeah, I love, uh, I love Roger Steele. Who, who, on on this topic, you know, he's <laughs> very passionate about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Roger, yeah, I, yeah, I love Roger Steele. Like and like he's... Earl Cooper from uh, East Morehouse, Side. Morehouse alum, Earl Cooper. Morehouse? I, okay, I was I on the phone with him last Wednesday. Oh, wow, I know. Great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so, a pro up in Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah, and he has a, East Side Golf, the yeah. other, his co-founder, both of them are Morehouse guys. Oh, really? They were okay. on the Morehouse team together. Were they? They were there after you, or before? They you? were there two years before me. Okay. So they're probably 2013 graduates. Oh, cool. And actually, I think they won the um, PGA Minority Collegiate Tournament in Florida. Oh, really? When they were then, when they were at Morehouse. But what do you think about that? I talked to some folks. You know, with, with the impact of social media, kind of in every aspect of society, but in golf, you know, I, you know, leveling the playing field is not the right term, but you know, there are. It, it gives folks a platform, yeah. You know, to to kind of uh, and and, and, and opens a window into other people. You know, all, all of a sudden, Roger Steele, who's quite an orator on yeah. on Instagram, and people that maybe wouldn't be able to see or know, meet his, someone his, like him or, yeah. or, or understand his perspective or just the perspective that he's trying to communicate. Um, you know, do you do you think that you know social media, Instagram, may be able to open open more doors or? I think I think in terms of perspective, I think you brought up a great point. In terms of perspective, and understanding somebody's perspective, it, it it just well might. But the problem with that is that requires me or you know all black golfers to riddle our story to you right, right. all the time. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that's not. It's a big ask. You know, like <laughs> it's kind of like, hey, what are you expect? Like, I don't want right. to give no, you yeah. my like have to constantly give you my story. It, it has to be an honest look at ourselves yeah. and say. You know, we know what happens. We 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 see what happens. It's not you know in golf, it's not a secret. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's just it just has to be an honest confrontation about with sure. it. Sure. Um, well, listen, I, I I really appreciate. It. I know you've got a class to yeah. coach or teach. I don't know where the kids went, um, but uh, pleasure to meet you. You as well. And, you as well. Uh, Thank you for your time. Yeah, maybe we can get on the course someday. But yeah, I, I wish you the best of luck with everything. Would love to. Would Thank love you, Leonardo. To. Oh. All righty. Mr. Well, Garner, John Garner, how are you? I'm fine, I'm doing good. I'm John Garner, it's my uh, 21st year with the first tee. 21st year? 21st here at Langston. Wow. And um, 
It's been an enjoyable time, the whole time we've been here. Just part-time, but okay. I do work five days a week. So, so I'm here I'm here three days, okay. and at East Potomac, two days. Oh, wow. And, I and do, you've been doing uh, that for 21 years? 21 years, yes. Oh, my gosh. Are you the longest running coach? I'm not the, I'm not, I'm not the longest one who's been here. Really? Coach George is working with me. He's one of the original first tee coaches. You must have come on not too long <laughs> after they, they started, right? Yeah, I did, yeah. Wow. But um, it's, been, it's been a good run. We've had a, we've had a great time. Uh, and I've had wonderful guys to work with. God, we've never had an issue here. Um, we've always had uh, really upright folks yeah. to come and help out. It's been great. That's excellent. Um, are you, um, so you and I met once before. We met at the, uh, the, long, the, the, at long, the long drive, drive competition contest. that was going yes. on downtown. Yes. That was uh, a nice, down, nice which, event. which was a lot yes. of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, but if memory serves, you're a DC native. I'm DC native. Uh, Eastern High School, Rambler, 1964. Went to old. I graduated from Old DC Teachers College, 1969. How about that? Got my master's at George Washington, 1973. Well, so we we, we, we got to go. We got to go back in time a little bit. I guess I got some <laughs> questions for you. Uh, so one thing is. So we're at Langston Golf Course right now. Yes. I'm looking across the first and ninth yes. green, mm -hmm. first tee and ninth green mm -hmm. at the old Spingarn High School. Spingarn High School, Elgin Baylor, Elgin Dave Bing. He just passed away at Sherman last Douglas. Week. I mean, Sir Sherman uh, Douglas, Dave National Bing. Champions. Uh, it, it's a wonderful, um, wonderful legacy sitting up there on that hill. Do you remember what Langston looked like? Do you, do you have any? Did you, did you ever did, come here? Like, no, the only thing we ever did here was to come over and. Um, Run cross country here. You did. Yes. So um, no one, no one that I can remember. None of the kids played golf that I can remember, and there weren't there weren't any caddies at Eastern that I can remember. Some of the teachers did because we'd read about them on Sundays. Yeah. Uh, our phys ed teacher um, and the baseball coach. He and his son were Middle Atlantic uh, father son champions. Oh really? Yeah. But um, PE teacher at Eastern. Yeah, Jankowski. Right. How about that? But in those days, you know, it was just, just didn't. It was the thought pattern wasn't there. Spin guard is right here. Yes. I, am I? Did I understand this correctly? Spin guard did not have a golf team. They never did. No. Which, we, which, we, is, which is amazing. It's because amazing. Literally a public golf course right across the street. Not, have, not even across the street, across the parking lot. We have always said that. God, if, if I had been here, I would have had the national championship team three or four times. Because we'd have, we'd have played here every day, you know. We'd have shoveled greens and everything in the snow. We'd have been playing every day. I'm um, right right in front in the front door, but it was just it just it just never worked out. Uh, now they had good track teams. They they, they were sort of cross country specialists. And matter of fact, the Spangarn track here is one of the few high school tracks in the country that has a steeplechase course. Is that right? Yes. The guy who was a track coach knew that if he put in a steeplechase, his guys would score another 15 points over everybody else who didn't have one and couldn't the practice. Is steeplechase the one where it's kind of like hurtling, but you you're jumping into you water? Got, you got to jump in the water, yes. Yeah, it's, right. Right, it's right there in the, in the far corner over there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever noticed that. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> so, so why, I mean, there's, I, can, I can speculate, but in your opinion, in your words, why do you think, like, uh, like just as an example, why do you think a spin guard Never had a golf team, or do you, do you think there? Do you think maybe some of the students there did play golf? They just didn't have a team. Well, or some just, of them did play, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but in my experience over the years, you've got to have 
a principal and a coach who are committed to that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And um, that always wasn't the case for athletics in, in certain sports. Eastern, um, my 10th grade year, the principal was one of those guys where he was a sports fanatic. He had played against Lombardi in college. Oh, wow. And he let you know. Sure. I played across from him. I, I know the guy well, you know. So <laughs> you had the idea of, man, everybody's got to play something. You got to play it hard. You got to go all out. He would actually take a folding chair at the kickoff and sit at the end zone and wait for the team to come through. I'm serious. <laughs> and he was, he was dead serious about it. You better come through. It was, it, was, it, was, it was just that kind of, yeah, yeah. You know, sure. Um, back in, so is, is my history accurate that in around the time that you would have been in high school, there was at least one golf course east of the, east of the Anacostia? Oh, those, um, yeah, they had, you still had. Um, was it Fort DuPont? Fort DuPont. Right. And you still had the one on Southern Avenue. Um, Were those nine holes or 18? The, uh, the one on Southern Avenue was 18. It was? Yes. It uh, didn't close until, I'm thinking the early 80s or something like that. Oh, that late? So in the old days, they have, they actually have three courses over here because where the freeway is right here, mm-hmm. 295, yep. that was a golf course too. That was a nine hole. Really? You know, so, so two, you're saying three golf courses east of the river. Mm-hmm. You had Langston right here. Um, Spingarn didn't have a team, just as an example. Like, did Eastern have a team? Eastern didn't have a team either, no. Was, were the demographics of the city any different then? Oh, they were much, much different. Much different. Um, and it's still um, demographically challenged. If you go to... Stadium Armory mm-hmm. subway station. Sure. In one stop, when you get to Minnesota Avenue, in one stop, there's a $60,000 household difference. And they did a study on that. It's, it's the largest one in the country in one subway stop. Wow. So from one side of the river to the other side of the river, mm-hmm. it's a completely different city. Was that not the case? In the 60s? It was the, it was the case then, but it was it was more um, how do you explain it? As the as the 50s came in, like Eastern Eastern had only been had only allowed African Americans in when I was there. We were only the sixth class of African Americans. Oh really? So because it was it was it had been all Caucasian. The Eastern was all white. Anacostia was all white. Coolidge was all white. Wilson was all white. Roosevelt at one time was all white. So where did the African American kids go? You only go. You only go to Armstrong and Dunbar. There were only two schools. Regardless of how far Regardless away. Regardless, it didn't matter where you lived. So my mother went to Dunbar. My dad went to went to Armstrong. How about that? Yeah. What is Armstrong now? Armstrong was the technical school. Okay. And Coach George, he's the Armstrong guy. Where was Armstrong? The Armstrong right across from Dunbar. Okay. Right there on. Um, so that, that is not there anymore. No, it's called something else now. Yeah, they, they closed it up probably <clears throat> fifteen years ago or so. So I guess one of the things I was getting at was so, but the the, the demographics east of the river back then was it was it more white and black or it was it was it was more mixed. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's say from where we're sitting right now, 
um, the top of the hill here was always African-American. Okay. The bottom here, um, Kingman Park, was built specifically for African-Americans. Okay. My grandmother's uh, place was here, still here. Mm -hmm. And then back where we were, um, the classes in elementary school, junior high, were, were mixed until maybe 61 or 62. By that time, the city, this part of the city was mostly African-American. Okay. Most of the white folks had sort of moved out. Interesting. I guess what I'm curious about is, you know, African-Americans and golf in this city. Mm -hmm. You know, were, were there, were there, do you think there were a lot of African-Americans using those courses east of the river back then? Not too many, Not no. Too many. Uh -uh. Um, most of the African-Americans actually played here because they felt comfortable here. Um, you know, Joe Lewis played here. Sure. Calvin Peake played here. All the guys who had to come through the circuit had to play here. And then from here, you play Forest Park in Baltimore because mm -hmm. that was the next closest African-American course. And then you could go up. There was another one outside of Philly. That was the and, and you sort of hopscotch There's certain courses way, where they, were, they probably felt more welcome and more comfortable. Oh, sure, absolutely. Sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's why the even the food here was different than it is in East Potomac. Here you could get um, pancakes and sausage and hash browns. I, I had Ernie Andrews. <laughs> yeah. I had Ernie Andrews on this podcast, yeah. uh -huh. and he talked about the time when Mike Tyson came into town, and even though he didn't play golf, his hosts brought him to Langston Clubhouse yes. for, because oh, they had some killer wings. They had killer wings, yes. <laughs> no. Um, and they used to put cornmeal in the pancakes. Is that right? Which, which that African Americans thought was like, wow, that's like that's like down home stuff. <laughs> you know, a cornmeal pancake, man, it's delicious too. I'll tell you. That's wild. Yeah. Um, so when did you get into golf? Um, not until maybe 85 when the Paul Berry program started at East Potomac. Tell us about that. What is that program? Paul Berry, um, the sportscaster, I mean, the um, he was the anchor on Channel 7. Okay. He was, he was an avid golfer, and um, he started a program after school one day a week at East Potomac for all of the junior high schools who fit into a high school that didn't have golf. So at my school in Anacostia, obviously Baloo did not have a golf team, mm -hmm. but he, he thought was, his thought, his thought was if you could get the junior highs playing, um, the rest of the kids would, the whole program would come. Okay. He is still, mm -hmm. his program is still at East Potomac. Really? He's still, he's still doing it, yes. He lives on the Eastern Shore and everything, but he still makes sure his program still goes. So he teaches kids, who, um, so junior high school not, kids from not, all over the city? All over the city. He, who would not get a chance to come to, let's say, a first tee class, because here you got, we are limited in the number of kids we can have. Mm -hmm. Plus you got to sign up. Um, in the past, we had always been free. Um, so you know, there, there must be still a lot of high schools in the city that don't have golf teams. Oh, absolutely, sure. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things where, again, you, you, you have to get the principal and the coach, and you have to get a coach there mm -hmm. who really wants to have one. So it, it, that's the way, that's the way I always saw it anyway. And that's for any sport. Yeah. You know, my old junior high school now has wrestling, which I never had a chance to do because right. who are we going to wrestle against? We right. didn't have the match, we didn't have the equipment, but now all sure. that stuff is in place and you had a guy there who was ready to teach it and went on with it, you know. So what got you into golf? Um, a couple of guys at school, 
Um, so, you know, 80, 85. This was like 85. I was and already were, doing, um, I had just started doing crew then. Are you in your 20s then. or you in your 30s? Or? I was in my 30s. Okay. Um, and mm -hmm. um, mostly basketball, track, kind of stuff. Sure. Did that all the time. But then when uh, golf came up, we sort of said, well, let's go out and play once in a while. And we started playing. And I remember one of the uh, teachers um, who lived, who grew up in Southwest, mm -hmm. lived right across the river from East Potomac, had never been to East Potomac really? because African-Americans didn't go to East Potomac. They didn't even cross the river. It was, it was just a walking bridge, maybe from here to that tree right there. They never went there. And there were three courses there. Yeah. They never went. So that's the way the city was sort of broken down into, it was broken down into smaller units. Um, the African-Americans in they, one they part. They kind of viewed East Potomac as the white course. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And nobody knew anything about Rock Creek. Mm -hmm. Most people, you only went to the southern part of Rock Creek. You didn't go to the northern part sure. where the golf course is. Yeah. Didn't know, no, most of us didn't know it was there. Yeah. Nope. So growing up here, it was a little different. Yeah. You know, it was, you had to make some adjustments sure. growing up. You know, but we all did, basically. I mean, this city, it's, <clears throat> I mean, we can, not, we, we, we got to get back to golf, but, but yeah, I mean, sure. th th this city, this city <laughs> is, you know, it's, there's a lot going on in the last 10, 20 years with gentrification and, mm -hmm. and demographics changing. But, you know, when I, when I was growing up and I grew up just outside the city in Montgomery County, um, but it was, it was, it seemed to be, it was a very segregated city. Oh, yeah, it, it was. It was kind of east of Rock Creek Park oh, and west was, of Rock Creek Park. It's, it's still a southern city sure. in terms of some of the, um, some of the thought patterns. Mm -hmm. it, was always, it was always considered to be a southern city. Yeah. Um, now, my mother is from Montgomery County, from Bealsville. Okay, sure. Up, you know, so um, we were always in, in and out. And Sunday afternoons, we were always going up. She always, Mom would always bring two chickens back, okay. bring their necks in the backyard. <laughs> We'd have fresh chicken on Sunday. Okay. That was a normal thing for us. Yeah. You know. Um, but um, yeah, it's. I can sort of look around, just see how things have changed so much. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a. Um, a B and B, right here across from the golf course. You've got um, new condos on Benning Road of all places. See, in the old days, the circus used to come here in this parking lot on this side. You had a streetcar that ran straight down that went out to Kenilworth Avenue, and then the streetcar would go up and make the turn and come back. And then you had another streetcar that went to Barney Circle. But that's as far as we went. Okay. You didn't cross. Uh, you didn't go up toward Branch Avenue. Didn't go that way. Sorry. Just, just didn't go. Do you, do you, so you got into golf maybe a little bit after Lee Elder was, was running things. Right after, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I met him a few times up here, yeah. you know. Um, but we only, we didn't bring our kids here because they didn't have the, the practice facility they have at East Potomac. Oh, yeah. East Potomac had. So when did this practice facility right behind us go? This in? was only built about uh, 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, the practice facility at East Potomac was, they had the two greens there in the front of the building. Mm -hmm. You had another green in the back. You had the covered range. I did a, a, a golf clinic one time for German television in a snowstorm because the kids were underneath the covered 
heated stalls. And I'm standing out in the middle of the field, and the guy's rolling the camera, and I'm screaming at everybody, and say, okay, let's play. And the balls are flying. You just barely, you couldn't even see the balls flying. That's the, the snow was just, it was just right. coming down. To me, it was one of the best things I've ever done. That, that was, was while you were with the first team? That was, um, I was while I was with the first team, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So were you, how did you get involved with the first team? I, I believe Kim Thomas called me one day when I was, uh, I was thinking about retiring. And she knew I had, had golf teams coming down to East Potomac a lot. Okay. And um, she said. What line of work were you retiring from? Oh, I was a phys ed teacher. Okay. Yes. I, I, did, um, I did 35 years in the system. What school? So I, I, at the Johnson Junior High School. Okay. And um, I was phys ed teacher and history and geography teacher. Oh, wow. So I would, um, my later years, um, now, see, when I, went to, when, when I went to DC teacher, we were taught, we got a classical education, by the way. Mm -hmm. You were supposed to be able to teach any subject that was given to you. You could teach it. Okay. Because we had art appreciation, sure. we had music appreciation, you had the whole thing. We had theater. Were you we ever asked to do that as a PE teacher? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You had to go through the whole thing. Sure. Oh, yeah. And it was difficult getting out of there. You had to take a speech test. And I can laugh about it now. You needed a Boston accent. And you had to do it. You had to do that T and that P and that B and throw a little extra in there to make sure the people in the back of the room could hear it correctly. Yeah. That's how you got out of school. <laughs> so, so once you learned the little tricks, it was yeah. like, okay, I can do this. The first T, then second nature. I mean, you were you were teaching kids oh my gosh, for, sure. for for yes. three decades. Absolutely. Four. And um, once I got into the golf thing, I always laugh about this. I could put sixty-five kids in a gym class with a golf club in their hand out on the athletic field, and no one would ever get hurt because everybody would hit one ball at a time, yeah. right on down the line, and everybody had to watch everybody else. But they got exposed to it. They had never had a golf club sure. in their hand, yeah. but I said, well, they're going to have one now. And so you moved on from there. Crew was the same way. Yeah. None of us had, had a, growing up on the, on the Anacostia, we were pretty much afraid of the river. We didn't swim in it. Johnson we had a crew so, team? I had crew for 12 years, yes. Yeah. How about that? Yes, we, we had, um, we, we bought two shells from um, Yorktown High School in Virginia. Yeah. And um, my buddy who was um, with me at the time, he was a Cornell, he was the coxswain of Cornell in 55. So we had a Cornell connection. They sent us all the equipment we, we needed. We got the park service to give us a, a piece of the 11th Street Bridge. And we rode, we were the first team to ever crew on the Anacostia River. All right, so we'll, we'll fast forward to the first team. Sure. So you've, mm -hmm. been, so you've, you've been involved for 21 years. Yes. Mm -hmm. Working five days a week, yes. coaching. Yes. Kids with the first team. Yes. You've seen a lot. It's, like, it seems like a lot when you think about you it. You coach though. all the different ages? All, all the ages, yes. Uh -huh. We go from um, seven-year-olds up to 18-year-olds. And uh, sometimes 18-year-olds are, are more fun because a lot of them are just getting into it for the first time. Yeah. And, and you give them a set what? of clubs and say, guys, we're going out to play on this course here. And they're what? You must yeah. get some kids that are just like, this isn't for me. I hate this. Or is you get it's a combination of things. You get some who, you get some who really. You and I love golf, but not everybody sure. does. Oh no, not everybody. <laughs> no, and not everybody's ever, ever even seen it. We even get kids who've never watched the golf match because some of the kids don't have TVs. Yeah. 
And that, that sounds a little unusual, but that's that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. I can show you five. Your mom or kids. dad drops them off and said, "Give this a try. Give it a try." Sure. And you you get that same group. Now, if you notice, if you this is a this is what I call a great place to learn to play because of the ambient noise here. That's great. If you can practice here and concentrate and make a putt here, anywhere else is a gravy train. Sure. Man, right. you don't hear anything but birds. Yeah. Now, we saw the three eagles here today, too. I, I told that to Clint. We have three bald eagles that live in the back. All three of them right in this tree right here, mm-hmm. and they started diving for fish, and the kids were like, oh, my gosh, what a place this is. Where else can you be on a main street with, in the only course in the world that has a subway that goes over top of it, mm-hmm. and three bald eagles are yeah. here at the same time. To me, you add all that together and the historic nature of this course, I wouldn't want to be any anyplace else. No, this is it's an it's an incredible <laughs> setting. <laughs> it you is. Know, it, it beats sitting in front of a iPad or playing video games oh, all afternoon. Sure, sure. And it's it's reasonably convenient. Um, do the kids get? Do they get at some point through your, your your classes and your sessions? They get to go out on the course and play. Oh, absolutely. Matter of fact, we probably we would have taken. Some kids out. If the course is not too crowded here, mm-hmm. um, we wait till the last tee time yep. until the kids play number one, and then switch over and play number eighteen. Yeah. And this this is a kid who's never been on a course before. You take them from the, put them at the 150 yard stake right there, mm-hmm. and let them play down to the. It's, it's a par five, but they see what it is. Gee, that's a long way down there, but you're playing in from the 150s. Let them do that a couple of times to see what the game is all about. Then you bring them back, and now we're going to go through. Next week, we're coming out of the trap, out of the sand trap. The next week, we're going to be pitching from this tree to that green down there. Wow, that's a that's a tricky little shot. Yeah. You've got to go over a waste area here. you got stuff to maneuver through. So once a kid comes out of here, they're sort of ready to play. They're ready to play any, uh, any course. Yeah. We, uh, I, I sat down with with Lennard. Do you remember yeah. when Lennard was? I remember when Lennard was a little kid, about that yeah. tall. Yes. Sounds like he picked up the game quick. He picked it up pretty well. Yes. And so you get kids, you get all kinds of. Um, are there other, are a lot of other stories like that, or is oh, that a lot of rare? them? Sure. Oh. No, we got kids who are, who are club pros. Really. Kids who who, who, who go to the um, the PGA school here at Merrill Eastern Shore. Sure. When they first opened, I think we sent three kids out of out of the program. Wow. And it wasn't even the first he hadn't even started yet, really. Mm-hmm. These were kids out of the out of race of boys, Langston boys and girls. I'm a member of that group too. Okay. So um but when it opened up we said, hey, we gotta get kids down there. And Langston our kids boys, know, boys our and kids girls, that's a, that's a group based here. That's a group that's based here, yes. That's the um they're probably twenty some years old too. Remember, no, he started before that. He started before the first tee. Because my, my daughter was in his group originally. Okay. And then switched over. And that, that's another golf-based group. That's another that? golf-based group oh, here. Cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very neat. So it's got an interest. It, it's a, it's a good, solid place to learn to play the game. Yeah. Um, so you were about to retire, and now you've been doing this for 20 plus years. Any um, any sign of stop? As as long as I feel good, mm-hmm. I can do this with my eyes closed. You know. Yeah. Um, Every, every day is different. Every class is completely different. You know, you could be doing the same drill and you get an, another eight group of kids come in, it's gonna be a completely different class. 
Because at first class, you might have had eight kids who know how to play. Mm -hmm. And boy, you put them on that tic-tac-toe, and, uh, you, and you can do it a, different, a lot of different ways, but you can make it really hard. They get a kick out of that. The next group you try to do it, they'll look at you like, what is this? What, I, are, you, what are you playing? I'm looking back at the class going on right now. Right, uh-huh. And there's two things that jump out of me okay. right off the bat. One, it looks like there's more girls than boys. Yes. That's and cool. That's, that's a typical class. Uh, we do get a lot of girls here. And uh, matter of fact, yesterday at East Potomac, I had an all-girls class. Is that right? I do the all-girls uh, group. And, and, and the second we thing... On, we do it on purpose sometimes. Too. Is that right? The second thing I noticed is, mm -hmm. is that um, most of the kids look like they're from uh, minority backgrounds. Yes. We always talk well, about... Well, that varies too. Sure. See now, um, let me see. I can, I can show you my Saturday morning class. That's all Caucasian. Sure. It just sort of worked out that way. Yeah. Most of my neighbors are surprised I, that when they see my car in my neighborhood mm -hmm. and I drive an unusual looking yellow sub, uh, Subaru, that's the guy at Langston, you know? So they bring their kids up here because a lot of them did not know there was a golf course on this side of Benning going out this way. Clint, Clint see, told most me- Most people don't go this, they don't go that direction. Clint told me there was a reason that you drive a yellow car. I'm colorblind. Which is fascinating. And so yes. how, 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 does that, how does that impact your golf game? I use the yellow ball. That's the only ball I can see. I don't know much about color blindness. What yes. is that? How, um, how does, what is I'm yellow? Red, I'm red and green. That's the reason I'm not a Marine pilot. Because when I went to join, I went to flight school uh, or to, to, to join, mm -hmm. I took the little test. And the guy said, geez, you got to pass the math part of it? I said, yep. I, I went into a little room, and they shot lights on the wall. And I'm, I'm asking the guy, when's the thing going to start? He said, we're already finished. I said, I didn't see anything. He said, yep, that was it. You know. <laughs> so, but then I found out there were only three yeah. African-American Marines uh, so, so you had gone to flight school, and that's, they wanted to keep it at three. And I said, hey, I got it. I got this. I understand. Wow. My dad was Navy, mm. so he knew the whole. He took us to a Navy, uh, to, a, to a Marine um, meeting one time, um, mm -hmm. Marine Reserve meeting. Yeah. He says, me and four of my buddies, he says, you, not, you guys are not going to feel comfortable in here. And we said, get out of here. You know, we play ball every, play ball with anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We did not feel comfortable with the meeting. It was just yeah. that simple because there were yeah. no other black guys in there oh, wow. but us. Interesting. So um, growing up here, you sort of understood. Mm -hmm. And you sort of you knew you had to make your own way. It was just that simple. What, what do you, how do you view the, um, the future of uh, Langston and golf in this town? National Links Trust is now. They have done a great job so yeah. far. And uh, it's, um, this is a very, it's, it's still a very home, homey kind of place. We had three guys who just came up the hill, maybe just, just by the time you got here. All three of those guys, the youngest one was 86. Yeah. And they still play. And they go back to the early days, yeah. you know. So you still get that vibe here. You don't see it as often mm -hmm. because you come here on a, on a Saturday and you, you would swear this is a, it's a country club or something up here because you drink as much beer up here as you want and that, that kind of thing now, which is unusual for a park service course. Mm -hmm. But they probably sell more beer than the liquor store across the street does easily. Do you, do you get the sense, not, not, I'm not suggesting that you necessarily have your, your, your pulse on the, the entire Langston or African-American golf community around Langston, but mm -hmm. that uh, they, that, do they view 
the change in leadership as a positive? Are they optimistic about the future here at Langston? I'm thinking most of them are optimistic about it, sure. The place could always, this was always like the, the poor sister of the, of the group anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, East Potomac makes money hands over foot, you know, because they got all those um, uh, leagues and stuff there. They got the three courses. They yeah. got, you got a, a tremendous practice facility. You got three actually practice holes at East Potomac. Yeah, yeah. You don't have that here. Sure. So we have to fit everything here. Yeah. But um, you had enough variety here to still make the place quite interesting to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the older guys who always used to hang here, you see fewer of them because most of them are, are, are gone now. Yeah. Um, but the course still has a, it has a very important purpose being right here. Yeah. And I always tell people the, the, the history of the place. The, the only reason this course is here is because Mary McLeod Bethune was friends with Eleanor Roosevelt. And she asked Eleanor to ask Harold Ix, asked the president to ask Harold Ix if they could build an African-American course in Northeast because she knew that we couldn't play downtown or couldn't play anywhere else. Harold Ix was the Secretary of the Interior. He was the Secretary of Interior, right, right, under Roosevelt. And that's why this course is here. They found this this spot of land. Mm -hmm. Now this side right here that we're sitting on now, this is the old front nine. The back nine here was not put in until 54, when they could clear. What was over there before, do you remember? That was part of the old Pepco plant. That used to be a big plant right there where that that cell tower is right now. Yeah. You couldn't even see anything further than that, because that plant went from. And was there there now like the the Kennel? Was it the Kennelworth machine yard or something? That was yeah. yeah. That was part of the Pepco plant. That was part of it. Yes. So, um, we, and we could tell when they, when they would burn trash over here because you'd come out in the morning and your car is all sitted over with uh, white ash. <laughs> oh boy, well that's where we get our electricity from, let it go, you know. So growing up here, growing up in the neighborhood, it was, it was unusual, yeah. it was unusual. Um, well listen, this has been, I, I really appreciate you taking some time to sit down. Uh, congratulations on, on two plus decades as, as a coach here. It's, at it's my pleasure. And yeah. it's great that you could come here. You are welcome to come here anytime, as you know. <laughs> I and uh, I'm just uh, glad we had a chance to meet. Absolutely. Thank you, John. It's my pleasure. Thank right. you. I don't have a good golf game, but I don't really care. I'm a, I'm a regular dude living in D.C., and I want to know about D.C.-centric golf stuff. If you can tell me something that I don't already know, then that is great for me. I don't want the regular stuff. I want exciting stuff. I want different stuff. I don't want stuff I can't hear elsewhere. But I want it to be about DC golf.